Dave Pryor. Welcome to the Reluctant Agilist. I'm here today with my friend Jeff Howie. Jeff, say hi to everybody. Hello, everybody. And we're going to talk about a change that Jeff has seen happening in the project management space and, and kind of talk about the ramifications of what that means for those of us who come from that background, especially those of us who also have Agile in our background. Um, and Jeff, before we get into the topic, would you mind kind of running down your origin story and explaining to these fine people where you come from? Sure. Absolutely. I would love to do that. So I, I began my career in technology, really testing. Um, and I was testing mainframe applications in a telecom. So it starts to talk about dates uh, of my history here. And what I, what I <laughs> <laughs> and what I realized as what I realized as a tester was that I really struggled to understand the requirements because they were just unclear if they existed. So then I became a business analyst and, and really focused on writing good, clear requirements, understanding the, the technical as well as the customer perspective. Uh, and then I got really frustrated because um, the project plans were always a mess. You know, expectations were unrealistic, deadlines and dates were completely uninformed. So I became a project manager. And well, you know, then I realized the whole system screwed up. And, and at that same point, I started to understand and realize there's this thing out there called Agile. Um, I really explored that a little bit, kind of dipped my toes into uh, Scrum in the like 2003 timeframe. And I got hooked and I was addicted to it. And so went through, did a lot of training, got my certification, became a certified Scrum master. Um, and then over the years, kind of scaled that up into, you know, doing Scrum in more of a scaled environment on products. And then I realized organizations are screwed up. So I became a consultant and really helping uh, design the organization to be less screwed up, if, if possible, <laughs> uh, to manage Scrum at scale. And, you know, kind of called that transformation consulting. So that's really kind of the, the journey over the last 25 years or so for me. Okay, so you've got experience in a lot of different areas that are all around figuring out how to get this work done. Are there other certifications you carry beyond the CSM? I also have the CSPO. Okay, awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, and Jeff and I have worked together for a long time, um, on and off, I guess, sporadically. Um, and what we're going to talk about is a change in and what people seem to be looking for in terms of the folks they're hiring to manage work. So would you, do you want to lay it out for them the way you explained it to me when we talked the other day? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to do that. And so, you know, over the years, especially you and I, we've, we've worked a lot with uh, scrum masters. We've yep. been scrum masters, we've trained them, we've coached them, we've helped to, you know, kind of guide their path even beyond initial certification into additional skills and training. And what I've noticed in the market, especially recently and beyond things like, switching the terminology from scrum master to scrum leader, you know, having to know things about how to integrate at scale, you know, scrum at scale or be a scrum master within a safe environment, understanding the role of the RTE. It's really what I'm noticing in it. I'm going to use this general term called a technical program manager. I've seen it term things like an agile program manager, uh, a couple of different terms, but that technical program manager, what it, is really looking for in terms of, you know, like what people are hiring for, what they're expecting. It's a really interesting trend in that it starts to cross over and require basic scrum understanding 
Scrum Master specifics around how to facilitate teams, how to manage, you know, kind of iterative and incremental delivery, what the metrics are and how those are used. It also kind of blends in a little bit of this product owner space because as a technical program manager, you may be the one who's accountable and have the most knowledge of and be the one interacting with your customers, which are primarily internal customers like other platform engineers, other products who rely on your services. And then the third part of it is this project management, just really good, solid understanding of things like, you know, procurement and human resources, being able to integrate solutions, be able to manage and understand dependencies and risks. And so they're looking for and requiring you to have this blend of scrum master, product owner, project management acumen, knowledge, activities, facilitation techniques, all of these things. And I'm looking at them like, wow, that is a huge job. And it's really interesting what is being kind of required. Yeah. And then also how people are required to fill that role. All right, cool. So, and I was looking up at some job descriptions of the stuff, and some of them also require a background in programming. Right. Yeah. So not <laughs> only do I have to understand how to interact with internal customers like other you know engineers and all that be able to, to translate those into requirements gosh it really helps if you have actually been a cloud engineer or a developer or programmer of some sort in the past yeah yeah so one of the things that i'm sort of struggling with is i mean one it seems like they're asking for basically like a full stack project manager like somebody who gets agile gets project management gets program like can actually write code which I don't think there's a ton of people out there that have an, a ton of depth in all of those. Like if you're talking about agile transformation and traditional project management at the program level and leading agile teams and all that tech stuff, that is not a ton of people. <laughs> they're, they're not only unicorns. I think they're like rare unicorns. Yeah. Because, you know, think about it. What good project manager is actually good at like, focusing and writing code and what good developer engineer even wants to do program management, project management. Yeah. I, when I, there are like, occasionally I get people in class that say they're trying to move from, it's really weird because they show up for a scrum class and they always say they're trying to move out of software development into project management. And I'm like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> like, why would, <laughs> why would you do that? But I guess there's some people that get into a space and just find it's not really maybe their gig, like maybe the one that they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. And what, especially on the technical knowledge side of things, I think was really, even though they're looking for like maybe actual hands-on experience, I think we're, what they're really needing is for you to be that really product owner piece of the job Yeah, and to understand what are the needs and the priorities of those internal customers, other engineers. And a lot of this is whether it's cloud or some other kind of, you know, platform, database platforms, it's just enough knowledge to think about, talk about and interact with those internal engineer to engineer type requirements, conversations, and not be like standing back saying, I don't even know what a database is. Right. So they're really looking for that at least knowledge and some experience hands-on. See, and that, I kind of struggle with that a little bit. I mean, I, I have, I tapped out at Perl, like that as far I got, as far as I got with programming, because I just don't have the attention span for it. But to me, that's never been a weakness because I end up asking questions that the other people aren't asking. Um, 
and it makes it easier for me to stay out of their sandbox. So I've always considered it kind of a good thing that I didn't have enough depth to go into the kitchen and start trying to cook stuff. Um, but I guess organizations want somebody that can solve all the problems. They may want that. I don't know that they ever really get that. And so you know, in, in my work with this role, this technical program manager role, a lot of the things that I'll do is, is I'll, I'll bring them back to some of the core basic understanding and practices of product ownership, scrum master roles. And then it's the making sure if you're this you know TPM, technical program manager, yeah. that you're bringing along an architect or a really savvy, smart engineer to the conversation with you so that, yes, you can ask those you know, kind of other probing questions. You're asking, you know, kind of from the, I know enough, but not enough. Yeah about this to spur the conversation. And then really it's, it's, I think closing the gap in the knowledge so that you can be clear in your, really it's the expectations you're setting with the backlog. So what do I need to put in, you know, kind of my stories or my epics as terms of details that are important to remember. And then how can I think about maybe that incremental or iterative approach in conversation with this architect or, or whatnot. So that when I go to the team, I'm not bringing them this, you know, nine month effort and thinking it's like a two right. month, you're actually understanding it, starting to break down, thinking about trade-offs, you know, what's the, the minimum releasable component of this versus the, the full stack of it, things like yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. So I want to kind of create a path. The first thing that I'm hoping we can talk about is what's happening to the team level jobs. And then I would like to come back and talk about for people that are our age or people that are further on in their career, maybe who had all the project management depth and have been trying to build up the agile depth. And now there's a whole bunch of other stuff added. Like what, you know, what should they be pursuing? Um, is that okay? If we had down this road. Great idea. Okay. So the first thing I want to talk about is I have seen more and more people coming into class saying that their company has gotten rid of the job of scrum master. Yes. Um, and I've been connected with a whole bunch of people. So this is what, you know, kind of late 2022 here where we're recording this yeah. over the last several months in, you know, kind of maybe your, your more up and coming Silicon Valley type tech companies, even some of our more traditional you know, financial services organizations where that is the reality, right? You know, we're looking at the economy, they're looking at things around profitability, cost, efficiency. And unfortunately, that scrum master role is one where, you know, it's like, oh, I could shift some of those duties to a tech lead or an engineering manager, or I could take the scrum master instead of two teams, give them six, which is leading them to yeah. the burnout. So, <laughs> yeah. like, you do see that. Absolutely. Or you see a shift from, you know, duties in terms of, you know, the expectations of a scrum master now also include in a lot of the job postings I'm looking at project management and reporting, being able to manage release level and roadmap level activities in addition to the team. So there, there's a little shift going on. Okay. So do you think it's swinging in the way that people are suddenly rediscovering their appreciation for project management and what project managers can do, or are they just kind of reacting to the pandemic and uncertainty and the kind of VUCA world they live in and saying, somebody who works with a team is not enough. I need plans. I need risk management. I need portfolio management. I need all these things that traditionally scrum masters have never had to know. 
And that's been kind of like a blank space in the chart in terms of, on the Agile side anyway, except for things like safe, where you've got that role built in, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know about you, but I've gotten in trouble with some Agilists in the past about my belief and the, the way I espouse those beliefs that a good scrum master should have good understanding of project management competencies. Yeah. In fact, uh, not only understand them, but be able to put them into practice uh, on a regular basis. And I think if I were you know, a, a leader, middle management or senior leader in an organization, I would have that expectation. I think you see that just manifesting a little bit more clearly and maybe urgently because of, you know, coming out of the pandemic, looking at things around the market and saying, you know, I really need to be able to manage my costs. And one of the ways to do that is have better expectations. The other then is we've, we've heard enough of the, you know, the joke, I can't tell you what I'm doing in three months because I only do two week sprints. Um, but that has really for good or bad. I think the message uh, has been heard loud and clear that, we don't give up on long-term plans. We have to run our business. Um, and we also need to understand what our teams are capable of, what our capacity is, how to use the metrics to forecast. So I think the expectations have matured that if you're a scrum master, you do need to be able to align to the business need to have longer-term forecasts, even though our commitments are short-term. I'm wondering if if maybe this is an issue with what's in the scrum guide because they don't have... I mean, it doesn't even cover release planning. It doesn't cover, other than product goal, it doesn't cover anything at that like higher strategic planning level. It's sort of expected that it's there, but out-of-the-box Scrum doesn't have that. And I'm wondering if this is just a reaction to that that gap, which when I've talked with Dean Leffingwell about SAFE, like that to me is why SAFE exists. People were asking these questions and, you know, rightly or wrongly, Dean gave an answer. And people gravitate towards it because it's got the missing pieces that they don't get when you just look at the Scrum Guide. Yeah, I, I think, and, and to that point, I think that's where you know I, I make a living in a lot of cases is the the training and the coaching of those yeah. skills, those knowledge areas beyond the Scrum Guide. You know, I, I love the fact that you know people can go and work with you know their CSTs like yourself and others and get their certification whether they've been doing it for for months or they or years and they have or they haven't started but then to follow along and say and there's more you know we need to be able to think about how do you translate the two week sprint and the need for a good deep backlog into that roadmap how does that apply and fit into things like release planning dependency management um, cuz you know the other thing too i think about scrum it really helps if I have a fully encapsulated cross-functional team with no dependencies. Yeah, That's just not the reality in so much of the world. So this technical program manager, whether you are in that role or you're in a traditional Scrum Master role, you have to be able to manage dependencies, order, and sequence of work based on those external dependencies. Uh, and sometimes even be able to identify proactively what are the risks that creates on my roadmap. Yeah, You know, if... Team A has not delivered their service or their capability in time for Team B to hit our roadmap. So being able to manage all of that risk, dependency, communication, escalation is really important. So you think that if I have somebody who's just got a CSM or just is working as a Scrum Master, um, do you think that now going after something like the PMP or at least just studying that stuff, is that where they should be focusing their time and attention so they can learn to speak this other language and learn to operate uh, 
in a more traditional way of thinking when they're at work? Yeah, study, studying, understanding those different competency and knowledge areas, I think is absolutely critical. Whether or not you go full certification and, and pursue that, I think there's certainly a lot of value in that. And I would also kind of advocate the other. If you are a PMP and you've worked in a more traditional, go get your CSM, understand it, study those agile yeah. scrum concepts just as much. Because those are often the teams you have to work with on those long-term roadmaps, complex projects, with you have lots of teams and dependencies and capacity to manage. So to me, this this is a really significant thing because like when I started moving towards project management, the only thing you could really go after to like in the US anyway, to demonstrate any level of competence was PMP. And then after I got that, I had all these agile people tell me, like, no, dude, you gotta go learn about agile. Um, and I've always looked at it like there are two completely different ways of viewing the world. And when I would I tell people, like, if you see a job posting that says Agile Project Manager, just run away because it's basically asking for, like, a Jewish Catholic. Like, you can't <laughs> hold both belief systems at the same time. But the changes that PMI has made with, you know, purchasing um, DA and, and, and Flex and the way that they're shifting the PMBOK, I'm wondering if now – this is the beginning of a period where we're actually going to have agile project managers who are conversant in both, and maybe that separation will start to disappear. I, you, you've seen what you know PMI has done, for example, with the, yeah. you know, the acquisition uh, and the inclusion of those agile concepts. I think that is absolutely um, a clear indication that the two now need to coexist, whether we wanted them to or not, or, or they have, you know, I, I think it's actually, they need to be integrated because that is, I think the future, right? Yeah. Good core competencies of managing the business of delivering projects in context of the fact that we have small teams working on services, microservices or features that all bubble up and combine into what our actual real product and releases look like. Well, and the fact that, so many of these companies, like I was teaching a class yesterday and they want these people, you know, who work there to learn about agile. They want to switch over, but so much of the culture and the structure is still waterfall. And there's so much technical debt. They can't decouple to the point where releasing a hundred times a day is even an option. Like that could take right. a decade to get there. And in the meantime, they need people that can, can do both. Yes. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah. And, and the cool part is if you're one of those project managers who, you know, you're in that environment with a lot of legacy systems or processes, or maybe even kind of a waterfall approach to delivery, if you're still in that world, if they exist, and your teams are doing, you know, Scrum or Agile, I think being able to identify the opportunities to lean that out, pull in those longer term deadlines, or even recommend organizational design. That's where those additional, I think, pieces really start to fit together. Okay, so that's a managing. whole other piece then, because organizational design has not been part of, yeah. I mean, at, at the transformation level, if you're doing consulting, it's part of the conversation, but not from a managing projects, managing programs conversation. Right. But if you're the project manager, you're working with teams and you're the one who's constantly looking at these dependencies and the sequencing and you can identify here, here are common places. And by the way, by talking to the architects or talking to the product folks in this space, if we were to shift X, Y, and Z, 
we could lean that out or we could reduce dependencies. Or if we were to shift the construct of this team to be more cross-functional, we could reduce the lead time by 30%. So like knowing that and be able to share that with the organization goes beyond you managing the project and becoming yeah. really a value add on the team. So I always used to describe, um, I, I, there was a, a workshop I used to give where I would talk about kind of trying to be waterfall and agile at the same time. And I would always explain to people that like, there are folks that can do both. Like I can do both, you can do both, but I'll probably only know like 15 people maybe that I would say like, these people are completely fine in waterfall and completely fine in scrum or something like that. Um, but I don't know anybody that can do both at the same time. I mean, to even being able to switch back and forth, it's sort of like your, your blade, like the, the vampire that walks in the sun. But now we want, it's not just, I, I would say I can't do both at the same time. I can do one or the other, but now we want to be able to do both at the same time. So it is a, it's a big evolution in terms of this career field, the mindset, the way you're looking at the job and what you're going to have to learn to be competitive in this job market. You, you're right. And I think spot on with kind of what I've, I've been seeing, at least personally, in some of my interactions and in coaching lately is that there are maybe more of your career scrum masters who are yep. now looking for that level up and they've kind of bumped up against the ceiling unless they think about this kind of you know technical program manager role. And it maybe they've not you know, they're not as old as us. <laughs> I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to uh, exercise those skills, so yeah. they struggle. And I think the opposite is true as well. There's a lot of folks, younger or older in this case, who have been more of a traditional project manager, now needing to understand how to interact with, integrate, and work with Scrum and iterative and, you know, other, maybe even Kanban teams, maybe all yeah. of those at once. Yeah. Um, so there, there's this opportunity for, I think the, the Scrum community, Kanban as well, and project management to really think about how do we, how do we cater to those who maybe have grown up in the Scrum tradition to branch out and add some of those skills and the, the converse, how have we taken those who are more traditional project managers right. help to grow and, and upskill them in their, their knowledge around Scrum. Well, the, and the other thing that's really interesting to me about what you just said is that for both jobs, there's kind of a ceiling, right? I mean, if, if you're a Scrum master, you're working with a team. And if you're, you know, at least what I've seen, most people, when they move beyond that, they become agile coaches. And, and unfortunately, we have a lot of people hanging up their coaching shingle three days after their CSM class um, when they don't really have the experience. But if you've been a scrum master for a while and you're looking for a next step, coach has pretty much been it, but this is another route you could go down. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, if, if you're in a shop where they have safe and, you know, RTE might be a level up for a scrum master, for example, but that's yeah. where you start to require some of that program management work or agile program manager might be the title. Very few, uh, but I think a, another step is in portfolio management, but that absolutely requires good traditional project management skills around, you know, budgeting and uh, procurement interactions, you know, definitely managing expectations up at the executive level. It's the thing that I'm thinking right now that's making me kind of chuckle inside is that um, 
all the project managers I know that got to like the program and portfolio level and learned how to work in the room with the executives and look at all the things, you know, all the projects that are happening in the org. Um, when they switch over and try to do scrum and you're telling them like, no, you only work with one team at a time. That's, that's a pretty hard switch, but I think it's going to be a much harder switch for people that all they learned was just work with one team at a time and now they've got to figure out how to demonstrate program and portfolio level knowledge and experience that without going into a co- you know transformation coaching kind of consulting thing that's going to be a hard box to be able to check on your resume i would think it is yes it it it's hard to be able to like legitimately with confidence say i am able to do this if you yeah. come from that i work with and what's interesting is in practice those folks who maybe do find themselves moving into that, what their first inclination is in a lot of cases is I'm going to pull together a cross-functional single team that represents the different areas and skills and techniques and all that technologies that I need for my project. And they're all going to be 20% yeah. (laughs) Yeah. allocated. Like, Oh, hang on a minute. Yeah. I mean, it does. The thing that's kind of a shame is the idea of uh, an individual being a hundred percent focused on one team and that team being focused on one product, like that's pretty awesome. But if it's back to the thing where I've got to manage eight teams at a time, I'm never going to be able to establish the relationships I need to really help that team thrive. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly if you have, say you have, even four teams you have you rely on for your your project to deliver yeah. is not 40 people you're interacting with there's some skill there as this kind of technical program manager to figure out all right whether i have a scrum master or not a product owner or not uh, i need to find maybe it's a tech lead maybe it is a ba maybe it is the po of the team because they're doing scrum with the scrum master you have to interact but you're playing both like scrum master of scrum masters and product owner yeah. of product owners for some of that it's really interesting so you mentioned design thinking too, and I know that like that's been added into safe a couple of years ago. And now there's a whole bunch of stuff on projectmanagement.com, which is a site managed by PMI about design thinking. Um, do project managers or agile project managers or technical program managers, whatever you want to call them, do they have to be deeply skilled in design thinking or is it enough to understand it conceptually? At a minimum, I think conceptually, okay, um, and understanding is super important, especially starting out. You know, being able to identify that there's risk because I have dependencies because of the organizational design, yeah, or I have some risk in the delivery timeline because of some process that creates overhead. Right, so I'm looking at the org design, the processes, being able to at least. Think about that, call it out, identify it, and then manage it is important. The next step beyond that is beyond just knowing and identifying and managing those. It's actually coming in with a a proposed solution. If we did this, if we were to get an exception to this process. So that's where I think that you kind of, as you think about maturity, you know, maybe um, levels of career and progression, that's what I would think is having a solution for those problems to help improve lead time, reduce dependencies, increase quality, whatever it is to get to market. Yeah. Have you seen any models where they're um, creating like 
um, a grouping of people with this. Like, in, you know, some places have a business uh, PO and a technical PO. I'm wondering if there's sort of a a model where there's somebody at at the top who is skilled in design thinking and lean startup, and then somebody who is an architect, and then somebody who is a project manager or project manager slash scrum master, and the three of them are working together to manage the work. Like, have you seen that anywhere? Um, conceptually, maybe not necessarily that detailed in practice. One, okay. one thing I have seen a little is, you know, you've heard about like the, the agile COE or the lean yeah. agile center of excellence, the lace, um, there's, there's this concept. I think you're starting to see it in practice where it's a little bit more of like a lean product or lean program delivery COE, where you're bringing in maybe a traditional PMO right. type leader, you know, more of the traditional project management competencies, knowledge areas, processes, tools, Gantt charts, all the good stuff we all love. And you may be like your agile coach or agile leader. Uh, and then a product person thinking, cause then you're getting that aspect. Like here's the products perspective from product, right? Here's kind of the agile, you know, Kanban scrum, other techniques and practices that the teams use along with that organizational uh, and delivery focus that you know your project management office brings together, I think you can brainstorm through. You know, here's our current state. Right, things are disconnected. Maybe we have this future state. It's all completely interconnected, and you know doesn't really matter anymore. But in the meantime, those leaders need to think through what's our next step. You know, in processes, people, tools, all of that to integrate. How do we move that forward? Uh, so they're they're actually kind of putting a vision in place for the organization over the course of time, and then that translates into at the team level. Like for example, a lot of work I'm doing now as an agile coach is with those technical program managers and product managers to exactly think through that. You've got this year long roadmap here, kind of your quarterly objectives here, are the KPIs that match to those. And then here's the the plan to get yeah. to that based on the data coming from the teams around metrics, how they interact, their capacities. It's not easy, but I think that is a step that most organizations could or should, or might even start yeah. be taking. Okay. So, if I am kind of new to this space, right? I mean, I do I do talk to a lot of people who are like, what what certification should I get? What stuff should I study? Um, and even though I teach certification classes, I'm not going to say like you have to have a certification, but I do think it's a way to demonstrate a baseline of knowledge. Um, what do they need to learn, in, in your opinion, like in what order? Like if you were building somebody who could lead projects in this emerging space, how would you kind of fill them with skills? Here, here's maybe what I would recommend is just kind of a baseline. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about you know, maybe someone kind of fresh out of college, moving into the new career, just no no experience in the past. And it, most people, I'm sure, listening to this have one of these areas of experience, and so you kind of fill the gap. But I would say start with the basic understanding of Agile and Scrum. Look into things like a certified Scrum Master uh, and certified product owner. Uh, understanding around those knowledge right. areas. Okay. Then I think I would add into that next would be the project management 
you know, knowledge areas, uh, maybe even a PMP certification if you wanted to go for the cert, because then you're you're coming in with the basic understanding of how the team unit works yeah. and how backlog works. You're layering on top of that really the project management acumen to be able to run the business of a project, especially at scale, where I don't have one single cross-functional, you know, fully encapsulated team. And then I think the third area I would layer on top of that is good, solid product management. So how do I think about my customers? How do I think about my markets? How do I think about releasable, meaningful, valuable components of work? Yeah. So that when I'm pulling those all together, I'm not trying to come in with, you know, here's my nine month project plan and we'll have a release in nine months. You know, as you're getting the CSPO, you start to think about the incremental, the iterative product, you know, the project management will help you understand how to maybe achieve that product management takes it a level further on really how to, to build the vision more accurately. Okay. So there's, there's a part of me that, I mean, I, I, Jesse fuel and I had a conversation a long time ago, we were talking about this stuff and in my head, traditional project management is like classical music and agile is like jazz. But now we're adding two other genres of music that you have to be able to play in at the same time. And this is, I mean, it's already, the job's hard enough as it is. It's just, it's such a tall order. I wonder if this is just like a, a backlash to COVID and, and some of the struggles that companies are having with being able to manage all the stuff they're trying to do because they want things to be different, but it's really hard to change. And so let's just create this new thing that's supposed to be able to do everything. I want, I'm curious, I'm like, it'll take time to find out, but I'm wondering if it's going to stick. It's a great thing if it does, but it's a lot. It's a good, good point. It, I, I like your perspective on it. One thing that I, I was trying to maybe think through is there's also a lot of sensitivity to, um, especially with the blend of, of remote and or onsite and or hybrid work. Yeah. Um, there's a sensitivity to the fact that, you know, Hey, if I, throw too much at my team, especially my engineering teams with a lot of knowledge and they're doing scrum, but I try to come at them to run my business better with more traditional kind of product and program management. They'll quit or, you know, the, the fact that maybe I am in a more traditional environment, but I need them to move a little more quickly, a little bit more uh, adaptable from a product perspective. If I ask them to change. So I think it's, a little bit is like, how do we find the balance of all these best worlds? Uh, I think it's a little bit poking in the dark, maybe with some vision in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So tell me if, if you think this is fair. I, I feel like if uh, some of the people that come to my lean coffee are people that have been doing this stuff for a while. Um, I often have people who are, you know, past 40 and are looking for a gig. Um, and they're trying to figure out how to put together a resume that covers all the things that people are asking for. So if I'm looking for work and the resume says I need to have several years of agile experience, plus several years of project program and portfolio experience, plus a couple years of design thinking and a couple of years as a software programmer, I'm not going to check all those boxes. Right. And so I, I talk to people and they're like, well, how do I get all this stuff? But here's what I would say. And um, this is what I want to see if you agree with you don't, Nobody's got them all. So you, you, you bring what you can and you do whatever, make whatever efforts you can to kind of fill in the gaps. But I think you have to be honest about what you have and what you don't have. A lot of these companies are asking for stuff that's a big stretch. 
Absolutely. I, I agree with you on that one. And, and so if you have the project management, maybe even the agile background, but not the more technical, yeah, I think what you can realistically and honestly be able to do is say, you know, as a project manager or as a scrum master, I had to know enough about the technology yeah. and the customers to be able to speak intelligently to the team. Didn't write a lick of code, right? Uh, but you know what? So I think there are ways to, especially as you scan that job description, equate the work that you have done honestly as you can back to that. Because if you're completely missing any aspect of it, like I don't even mention that I'm technical and understanding in nature, right? You might get passed over. Okay. Cool. Um, do we, have we skipped, have we got all of it? Do you think? I'm trying to think. I can't think of what else to ask about here. All right. So we've covered a little bit of this topic. There's obviously a lot more and it's going to take time to figure it out. But Jeff and I were talking the other day and, and we both felt like it would be a good conversation to record and to share with people and see what kind of response we get. So if you've got anything, any comments or opinions about this, we'd love to see it in the comments section for the podcast. But also, if you, if Jeff, if they want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? Yeah. Best way to get a hold of me is LinkedIn. So okay. Jeff Howie, H-O-W-E-Y, check me out there. I would give you know, my Twitter handle, but I haven't touched it in years. And I've, I've recently been told I should learn TikTok, but let's start no. with LinkedIn for now. No. <laughs> Stay away oh. from the TikTok. I'll be on TikTok soon, but yeah. LinkedIn. Set up a MySpace page. That'd <laughs> be go. better. <laughs> All right. Well, Jeff, thank you very much. I really appreciate you making time for this. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Dave.